Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about our program and the church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapter 22 and 23 called Test and Treasures. I've been telling you that Jesus is the greater Job, and that the book of Job, if you've never heard this before, is one way to see a foreshadowing of the coming Messiah, and that Job's innocent suffering, now he wasn't perfectly innocent, but he was blameless, and that's what God said about Job. In Job's chapter, Job chapters one and two, it is God that is bragging on Job. It is God that is lauding Job. He says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one like him. He is blameless. He turns away from evil. He does good. There's nobody like him. And then remember, Satan begins to challenge that premise. And he says, well, the reason that he follows you is because you put a hedge about him and you've blessed him. And if you take away the hedge and you take away the blessings, here's what he will do. He will what? Remember? He will curse you to your face, right? So all the calamity comes Job's way. And when, when it all happens, including Job's loss of 10 children, all of them die as the roof caves in. Job does not curse God. He does not blame God. He turns to God and he worships. In those famous words, he says, naked I came into the world, naked I'm gonna leave it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, in Job chapter 2, Satan comes again, but this time he says, okay, it's true. He didn't curse you to your face, but skin for skin, all that a man has will he give in exchange for his life. You let me at him. Yes, I took away his estate and his children, but now you let me at him. Let me at his body. Let me afflict him, his flesh and skin, and let me disease him, and he'll curse you to your face. And God says, okay, you can have your way with him, but you can't touch his life. And then Satan has it at Job. And remember the terrible calamity of boils, oozing sores from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Uh, We cataloged in previous studies all the terrible uh, suffering that Job was going through. In fact, when his friends finally come, they've made the journey to comfort him. They see him sitting on a pile of ashes, scraping his wounds with a piece of broken pottery, sp- scraping the pus from his oozing sores. And that's where we started in the book of Job. God lauding Job, commending Job, bragging on Job, and then all of a sudden this terrible temptation or crisis. And Job has not lost his faith He's still a believer. He's got all kinds of questions, but he's still a believer, and he's still leaning into God, and that's what we have to do in our trials. And I will show you the parallel to the greater Job, who is Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 10. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him, upon Jesus. And a voice, Mark 11, I'm sorry, Mark 1, 11, a voice came out of the heavens saying, Thou art my beloved son, in thee I am well pleased. What's your Bible say? And immediately, who? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, impelled him. You could say compelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, being what? 
being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beast, and the angels were ministering to him. Now, I want you to notice that right after the Father lauds Jesus from heaven, this is my beloved Son, I am pleased with him. Immediately, what's the Spirit do? Compels him to go out into the wilderness for 40 days of testing. I, I mentioned to you guys when we studied Mark that you have to see that when the Messiah is doing what he's doing in the Gospel of Mark and the other Gospels, he is following in the footsteps of Israel who fell in the desert to the temptation of Satan, to the lack of bread, the lack of water, the lack of faith, and they fell hard, and that whole generation, 20 years and above, never went into the promised land. They all died, uh, save uh, Joshua and Caleb, right? Those under 20 actually went into the promised land. And so the Messiah, uh, where Israel failed, he succeeds, okay? Now keep thinking about the parallel between Job and Jesus. Jesus is lauded by the Father. This is my beloved son, I'm pleased with him. And immediately what's he sent into? A test or a temptation. Very same as Job. Job is lauded by God. There's nobody like him. And then immediately God allows him to go, what? Into a test or a trial. Turn to the book of Matthew, which is, uh, you got Matthew, Mark. So just before Mark, chapter three, just another uh, treatment of this with a couple of additions I just want to show you. So you got Matthew three sixteen. After being baptized, Jesus went up immediately from the water, Matthew three sixteen from the water, and behold, the heavens were open. He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and coming upon him. Behold, a voice out of the heavens saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, 4-1 of Matthew, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, wow, he then became hungry. Talk about an understatement, right? And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. In other words, something like this. If you're the son of God, why would you be going hungry this whole time? Why have you been compelled by the Spirit to be out here in the wilderness right after the heavens open and the Father said, you're his beloved son? What's going on now? Are you his beloved son? Are you the son of God? Are you a child of God? You know, in your temptations, in your trials, this is what the devil will bring to you. This is what your flesh will bring to you. Am I a son of God? Does God really love me? Why am I going through this if he does? Why does he not lift this when I pray? Well, Jesus was hungry. He had the power to command the stones to become bread. We know what he did later in his ministry, feeding 5,000 plus women and children, multiplying bread. But he answered and says, it is written, what's your Bible say? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I hope you can see the parallel that Job and Jesus, both commended by God, but then both led into the wilderness of testing or temptation. Go to the book of Job, which is right before the Psalms, chapter 22. We've been watching Job go through all this terrible testing, though he is a blameless man. And the underlying thought that we've all had is why, why? 
Now, we can answer the question by knowing there's a debate in the heavens and God has allowed the test to take place for some deeper reasons than maybe any of us truly know, but one of them has to be for us to read the book of Job today and understand that there's more to life than what we see and that easygoing and everything uh, you know, being roses and easy is not necessarily the ways of God. God matures us in his different ways. And the men that were supposed to bring comfort to Job and not immediately assume that he was evil because of the rough times he was going through, well, they did very poorly. One of them was Eliphaz the Temanite. This is Job 22.1. He responds to something that Job said about how the evil seemed to prosper from what Job has seen. And here's what he says. This is 22.2 of Job. He says, can a vigorous man, the word in Hebrew, geber, is can a strong man or maybe like a warrior be of use to God or a wise man be useful to himself? Is there any pleasure to the Almighty if you are righteous or profit if you make your ways perfect? Is it because of your reverence that he reproves you, that he enters into judgment against you? Simply put, what Eliphaz is saying to Job is that you've been claiming that you're a righteous man, but you're suffering. But what I understand, Eliphaz would say, the system that I know is that the reason you're suffering is because you're a wicked man. And you need to repent of this wickedness. That's your problem, Job. You keep claiming to be righteous, but you're not. And if your behavior was righteous or if you were wicked, it wouldn't affect God in any way. God is ambivalent. Maybe, you know, you guys have heard in the past that there are people who are called deists. And a deist is a person who believes that God wound the clock of humanity up. He created the world and the people therein. But then once he wound it all up, he just walked away. He's not involved with his creation. He is a distant deity. He's not impacted by good or evil. It's just going to be however it works out, it works out. And maybe you could say Eliphaz was in this category. And he's saying basically this, Job, I don't think that your, your uh, so-called righteousness or even if, if you're wicked or righteous could do anything to affect God in any way. Is God, can God be affected by the behavior of you and me? What do you think? The answer may surprise you because the answer is that God is impacted by our behavior. In what way, you may ask? Well, Ezekiel 6, 9, God says to Israel, you have broken my heart. By your idolatry and your adultery, by cheating on me spiritually with other gods, you have broken my heart, Ezekiel 6, 9. You all know that the Bible says in Ephesians 4, 30 that we can grieve the Holy Spirit by doing what? By speaking unkind words to people. Uh, in context, perhaps even letting the sun go down on our anger, the, the uh, non-edifying words, the corrupt words that come out of our mouth can grieve the Holy Spirit by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. In Psalm 78, 40 and 41, as the psalmist goes through the wilderness wanderings of Israel, he says how often they pained the Holy One of Israel, how often they grieved him in the desert. Now, I cannot tell you that I understand how God has these emotions and feelings, how God could be described in ways that I would understand as brokenhearted. 
If, if someone was brokenhearted, I could see it on their face. I could see it in their demeanor. I could see it maybe in, you know, or hear it in their words. But in very, what we call human language, the God of the Bible is brokenhearted. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, this is Pastor Shane Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. We want to thank you for listening to the program today, and we want to let you know that we have some new service times on Sunday morning. So we are going to go back to two services on Sunday mornings. One is going to be at 8.30 a.m., and the other is going to be at 10.30 a.m. So we pray that you'll join us for one of those services. I am the music director at the church, and we are really excited to be able to worship through music, and we're going to worship as well through studying God's Word. We're going to worship in spirit and in truth as the Scripture commands us to do. So we're really excited. We pray that you'll join us for one of those services this Sunday at 8.30 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. We pray that you have a great week, and we thank you for listening to Walk in Truth Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Producer Rob Newton here, and on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. Whether you have given a one-time donation or you have become a monthly partner, you have contributed to our mission to reach out with God's truth to all people and helping listeners like you apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You've heard that before, right? Well, we mean it. Thanks to our financial partners, we have added three new radio stations this year. Our prayer is to bless our new listeners the way we have hopefully been a blessing to you. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a $5 a month partner? That may not seem like much, but every little bit makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. You all know that the Bible says in Ephesians 4.30 that we can grieve the Holy Spirit by doing what? By speaking unkind words to people. Uh, in context, perhaps even letting the sun go down on our anger, the the. Uh, non-edifying words, the corrupt words that come out of our mouth can grieve the Holy Spirit by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. In Psalm 78, 40 and 41, as the psalmist goes through the wilderness wanderings of Israel, he says how often they pained the Holy One of Israel, how often they grieved him in the desert. Now, I cannot tell you that I understand how God has these emotions and feelings how God could be described in ways that I would understand as brokenhearted. If, if someone was brokenhearted, I could see it on their face. I could see it in their demeanor. I could see it maybe in, you know, or hear it in their words. But in very, what we call human language, the God of the Bible is brokenhearted. Do you remember when Jesus looked over Jerusalem in Luke 19.41 and he cried over the city? And he lamented the condition of the rejection of his own people in Luke 
19. And then in John eleven thirty five, famously at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept. God is not ambivalent to our trials and troubles. He cares about how you act. He cares that you mature. And brothers and sisters, that's part of the reason why he tests you. Because he doesn't want you to be stuck. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. He's conforming you more and more into the image of Jesus. And he stretches us in the tests. And when Shane prayed earlier, I would wholeheartedly agree. I rarely enjoy the tests. Can I get a witness? Anybody else out there? When I'm on the rack and I'm being stretched, I'm not like, and I've got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? That's a song from Sunday school, if you guys didn't know that one. But anyway. But James says I should count it all joy, not the actual trial, I don't think, but the outcome of the trial. Part of Job's trial is not only is he an innocent sufferer or a blameless man, but everybody keeps trying to wrongly blame him for being wicked. He says, Eliphaz, who started off kind of nice in chapter four, says to Job, is not your wickedness great and your iniquities without end? Dude, you're a rotten sinner. Your your wickedness is great and you just sin it up and you sin it up and sin some more. Verse six, you've taken pledges, you've demanded security of your brothers without cause and stripped men naked. The language here is you took the last coat. Somebody needed a loan from you and you were a famous man of the East and you had money and possessions and servants and property. And when you gave a loan, you took the man's last coat or cloak, which, by the way, in Jewish law, Exodus 22, 26, and 27 was forbidden in Israel. If you took someone's coat that kept them warm, that was a no-no. That was against the law. Notice he says, to the weary, you've given no water to drink. Picture Job with his oozing boils, his devastated life. Man, if you have friends like this, who needs any enemies, right? He says, you've, you've given no water to drink, and from the hungry, you've withheld bread. Matthew 25, when Jesus describes his people, he says, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was in prison, and you visited me. I was sick. And you came to me. And the righteous will say, well, when, when did we do this for you, Lord? When did we see you hungry and et cetera, et cetera? And he will say, when you did this to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Where is Eliphaz coming up with this stuff? That Job withholds bread and water from the most hurting people. Notice, it gets worse. You have sent widows away empty and the strength of the orphans has been crushed. The psalmist says that God is a defender of widows and orphans. He's the father of the fatherless. When I first became a Christian, that was such a meaningful verse to me because I was a a young man who was fatherless. My own father walked away when I was four, and I never met him. And that verse meant a lot to me because I knew I had a heavenly father who cared about me. If you want the verses, it's Psalm 68, 5 and 6. It says, a father of the fatherless and a judge or defender for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. 
This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father. To visit orphans and widows in their distress, James 1.27, and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is God's heart. Do you see what Eliphaz is saying to Job? Man, you don't have God's heart. You sit there and say you're blameless, but look at what you do. Now, these were false accusations because I don't see any record that Job did this. How could God call him a blameless and upright man if this was what Job was all about? But remember, Job is a foreshadowing of the greater Job, Jesus, who was what? Falsely accused of doing wrong when he didn't. Jesus was, of course, the only truly innocent person. Job was blameless, not perfectly uh, innocent or sinless. Jesus was sinless. Job was not. But Job is a shadow, as best as he can be, of the Messiah. And the only thing that they could say of the Messiah to get him crucified was to throw false accusations his way. Let me just say to you, One of the ways that we experience some of the trials that Job experienced is through false accusation. Have you ever been falsely accused? It's a a painful thing. It's a hard thing because you don't know if you should defend your honor and run over there and try to fix it or send that email back to that person. Oh, let me tell you something. That's not true. And uh, you're a liar. And, And sometimes, you know, God just says, you let me take care of it. I will defend your integrity. But Look, there are people who like to talk and people who like to make accusations when they don't know what they're talking about. And I think this is what's going on with Job. Talk about pain. He says, therefore, Eliphaz speaking to Job, snares surround you. Here's why you have problems, Job. And sudden dread terrifies you or darkness so that you cannot see and an abundance of water covers you. You want to know why the waves of trials keep coming your way? Here's why. Because this is what you've done. You've committed evil. You're wrong. But that's not true. He says, is not God in the height of heaven? Uh, Look also at the distant stars, how high they are. And you say, what does God know? Can he judge through thick darkness? Eliphaz is painting a picture like Job is trying to say God doesn't see anything, everything. That's not what Job was saying. Job was saying, I don't see everything. Job was saying, my view is clouded. I don't know what God's doing. I have questions for God. I don't think Job was saying God doesn't know what he's doing, but that's what Eliphaz implies. He says clouds are a hiding place for him, 14, so that he cannot see and he walks on the vault of heaven. Will you keep to the ancient path which wicked men have trod who were snatched away before their time? It's an interesting phrase because it's used also in Ecclesiastes that some people die before their time. Is it possible to die before your time? Well, we have other scriptures that say all the days of our book, uh, of our life were written in his book before what? One of them came to pass. Which is it? Well, if you are foolish and you do dumb things and you test the Lord, you may, and I'll put this in quotes, die before your time If you take a gun and you shoot yourself, and sadly people have done this, you may have died before your time. That's not what God had for you. Now God can still turn that around in families' lives. I know there's been a lot of people hurt and wounded by suicide, and I'm not making a commentary on that, but I'm just saying this. Imagine someone who grows up in a home 
and they become an addict and they're on the street and they're uh, addicted to a drug and they inject a drug in their arm and they end up dying of an overdose. Did they die before their time? I would submit to you, yes. Did God know what was gonna happen? Yes, God can't learn anything, but still. You've been listening to Test and Treasures, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 22 and 23. If you missed any part of today's program, you could listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Just so you know, we have free apologetic events coming up and we call them 633. And that's based off Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, uh, professionals in their fields, to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issue of racism, the COVID-19 pandemic, suicide, and how we as Christians can talk about those issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app. And having the app on your phone or tablet will help because you'll be the first to know the details about our upcoming events. If you live outside California, you'll still be able to be a part of our 633 events because we live stream them. And with the app, you can even participate in our Q&A portion of the event. You can learn more about 633 when you download the Living Truth app. Remember, it's the one with the red logo with the pillars. Or you can visit walkintruth.com. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events as well. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow on this station for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapters 22 through 23 called Test and Treasures. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.